we'll be recording in five, four, three, two, one. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. Thank you for listening to Your Working Life, my podcast series featuring thought leaders in the career and personal growth arena. I know that you spend a significant portion of your life at work, so my goal is to provide you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. And I couldn't be happier to welcome back a dear friend and a very special guest, Susan Ford Collins, to the show. Susan, welcome back. Oh, I'm so happy to be with you. This is exciting. <laughs> oh, I'm thrilled too. We had such a great conversation our during our first podcast, and it's been playing beautifully to great reviews by the audience. And I'm eager to dive into another juicy conversation. But for those who may not know you yet, Susan Ford Collins is America's premier success and leadership coach, as coined by CNN. She is the creator of the technology of success, the powerful leadership system used in more than 3,000 training programs in major corporations and organizations, startups, and turnarounds. And tonight, we're going to talk about a slightly different topic, and I'm really excited about this. It's about creativity and thinking outside of the box and really really doing things that are that are beyond the norm and and getting comfortable being uncomfortable. So Susan, you've written some great pieces on this that we will refer to throughout our show today, but let's start with why do we as adults have a hard time thinking outside of the box because children don't. They go there very easily. <laughs> very easily. In fact, they drive us crazy because they, they don't want to follow the rules. They just want to figure it out all by yeah. themselves. And they believe in their dreams. But here's the problem. When we're growing up, the first gear, and I, I talk about gears of success, the yeah. first gear of success is learning. And it's learning to follow the rules. It's learning to obey instructions. It's learning to do things the way we're told to do them. And we get rewarded for that and praised for that. And, you know, we have parties given for us when we graduate from high school and college. So it's deeply rewarded in us to be obedient and to follow the rules and to stay inside the box. Yeah. But the problem is, as soon as you go out to work, what is needed from you is a different kind of thinking. And, and it's really like the reverse of first gear. In first gear, we're learning to do the right and the wrong and the good and the bad and the possible and impossible according to other people's standards. But in second gear, we're supposed to do more, better, faster, cheaper. And what happens is we have to learn to drop out some of those rules that we were taught in first gear. And that's kind of scary and, and kind of risky because if you don't produce results, you can lose your job right. and you can't pay your credit card and your mortgages. So in second gear, we get rewarded for staying within the limits of our boss or our organization or the way things have been done before. So our teachers graduated us from first gear into second gear, but there's nobody who's going to graduate us into third gear. Third gear is the gear for creativity, for invention. It's for breaking through to new methods and approaches. It's that moment that we've all experienced when we go, aha, 
I have a better way of doing that. But unfortunately, if we're racing along, producing and competing and doing more, better, faster, we rarely slow down long enough to even notice that we just had a brilliant idea. And so third gear kind of gets swept under the the carpet, so to speak, and and we go around saying, oh, but I had that idea 10 years ago. How come that person made a fortune on it? Well, that person paid attention. So here's the trap, and here's how the box came into existence. Okay. As long as we're in first gear, we need to be obedient. That's one part of the box. In the second gear, we need to continue following the rules so that we please our bosses, our society, uh, and we're productive, and we can pay our bills. But in third gear, we have to take a new risk because there isn't anybody there who's going to tell us to go in a new direction. That's something we have to find in ourselves, and it's scary. Um, For example, Jeff Bezos, you know the name, Amazon. I mean, he had a crazy idea one day. He noticed that they were tracking book sales online, and he said, hmm, if they're tracking that, maybe I could open an online bookstore. And he and his wife, Mackenzie, agreed, and he quit his job, and they drove to Texas and picked up a car and drove out west and started up Amazon.com. He was writing the business plan in the backseat of the car, I might add. (laughs) But he had to take a huge risk. And he was laughed at broadly. You know, what a crazy idea, selling books online. Now, most of us can think of something we've ordered from Amazon at least once or twice, or even once or twice this week. Oh, yeah. And (laughs) so now the idea is institutionalized and it doesn't seem so scary but remember back to when it was his idea and when Mackenzie agreed and they went for it and they sold everything and left their familiar territory with a lot of people snickering and you know he had great success so the shift to third gear isn't something anybody can do for you it's something you have to do for yourself. And I say that loudly to women because I think women have a harder time trusting themselves to be innovative in the business setting. They certainly are innovative at home. But, you know, that's something that I really want women to hear is you've got to trust yourself and you've got to figure out a way. We're really creative. We have to figure out a way to be able to go in a new direction when that idea occurs and not to ignore it. You know, it's a great seed, but it has to be planted and it has to be nurtured. And and I love that you are saying loudly and clearly to the audience, you've got to trust yourself and you've got to power through the failure. I believe in the concept of failing forward fast and often, you know, I, exactly. I, I bring it on. However, a lot of women are paralyzed in their fear, Susan, as we know, and they're waiting for that time when they think they'll be ready. And I put that in air quotes or when it'll be perfect. <laughs> and that just, in my experience, experience doesn't exist. So how can we help them power through and and change gears? Well, one of the things I wanted to share today is just how successful women have been. Uh, Somehow or another, we know about the men who start up companies and make a fortune like Jeff Bezos, but we don't know about the women. And we can name a few. Carly Fiorino is up in the news. I mean, you know, um, Sheryl Sandberg, but most women cannot name you 10 or 15 CEOs, and and it's kind of a shame. So I want to brag about women and, and what women have been doing. I mean, the fact is that women are now 
the CEOs or heads of major organizations, in fact, a lot of organizations that used to be male only. So, for example, Marissa Mayer is the president and CEO of Yahoo. Right. And Mary Barra is the CEO of the, our nation's largest automaker. How unlikely does that seem? And then in the corporate or in the governmental side, we've got Janet Napolitano, who's mm-hmm. the Secretary of Homeland Security, and Margaret Hamburg, Food and Drug Administration. But then we go and we've got the CEO of IBM and the CEO of PepsiCo and the CEO of Lockheed Martin. I mean, how male-oriented used right. to be, right. <laughs> you know, or DuPont or Hewlett-Packard. And then a lot of people would say, oh, I know exactly who Oprah is, but most women don't think of her as a multi-billion dollar entertainment mogul, you know, who said, wait a minute, I'm just going to talk to women in the afternoon and answer their questions and and deal with the issues that are relevant to them. And then lately, we've got Alison Overholt, who's the first female editor-in-chief of the ESPN, you know, male sports, (laughs) their magazine. And uh, Linda Cohn, who's hosted Sportsline for the 5,000th time. So, you know, I want to brag about the fact that we are not these little fading lilies mm-hmm. who are just nurses and, and homemakers and, you know, doing the traditional jobs. We're powerhouses. Excellent. I couldn't agree more, Susan. You're absolutely (laughs) right. Now, let me ask, do you believe that women who are successful in their ability to switch gears, using your terminology, are also not afraid to ask for help? Because I see very successful men raise their hand and say, okay, this does take a village. I need some help. I don't have to do it alone. And I think often women who struggle think they have to do everything alone. And and I disagree. I think it's okay to seek out resources and help from others and move forward with your team. I am totally on board with that one. You know, I'm screaming to women all the time, ask questions, yeah. ask for help. Admit you don't know. In fact, I say that, that not knowing is the gateway to knowing. It's the yes. gateway to finding out. But if you can't take a risk to say, I don't understand that. Would you say more about it? Then you can't take a risk of learning more. Uh And so it's really important for voices like yours and mine to say, speak up. It's okay. You don't have to know everything. That's kind of an assumption that we got in first gear. So Uh remember, in first gear, there was a teacher or a trainer or a boss or a parent, and they were telling us what was right and wrong and good and bad, what we should and shouldn't do. And that gave us a really long-lasting impression that other people know and we don't. Right. And we have to ask and we have to ask permission. And that's not so. It was so in first gear. And first gear is really important. You better be able to slow down Mm -hmm. and gear down and learn new programs on your computer or learn the ways of a new government position you're in or corporate job you've got. So... First gear is really important. You have to be able to follow rules and regulations appropriately, but you don't have to live your life in first gear. Exactly. You've got to be able to evolve and move yeah. on. Yeah. And and so second gear, you know, people who are really good at second gear are not worried about looking stupid. Mm-hmm. They know they're not stupid. They just ask for what they need and then they get going. And then if they hit a wall, they come back and ask again. And so second gear is a really good 
building gear for getting to the point of that breakthrough, that moment when you say, wait a minute, nobody else knows about this yet, but I do. And then the next question is, and what do I do about it? And what women are doing now is they're starting incubators for startups. Here in Miami, we have several incubators for women who who are bringing companies to life and making sure they survive. And we're reaching out in all this networking, like what you're doing and what I'm doing, and saying, hey, I'm here. (laughs) <laughs> ask ask for help read my book call yeah. me do one-to-one coaching with me whatever it is you need reach out so yeah i'm i'm an echo voice of yours caroline love it love it <laughs> so you speak so eloquently about how sh- change happens when we shift gears and i love that you announced so many amazing women who are doing extraordinary things so their gear shift change certainly impacted themselves individually as leaders, but it impacted their teams and their companies at large. Can you speak to that, Susan, about the the beautiful ripple effect? Yes, uh, and to add on, just right at that point, there's another idea here that leadership has gears too. So to answer your question, I have to introduce that idea. That, you know, if you're a first gear leader and you know you're, working with somebody who's brand new at something, you have to slow yourself down too. And you have to get in the place of, what didn't I know when I started this? And and not hear, hear the questions as stupid, but hear them as interest tags. You know, ah, this person's willing to ask. How wonderful. So there's three gears of leadership. And when you're starting with somebody who's just learning, you need to slow down, be patient, give them permission to ask questions. And then when they're in second gear, you don't abandon them. You're there with your door open and your yeah. your text message working. And when they need help, they come and they say, hey, I'm stuck. And you say, great, let's figure it out together. I know a lot of people in second gear are afraid to go to their bosses because yeah. their bosses are not in second gear. They're in first gear. So they're like right and wrong and good and bad and should and shouldn't. But when you're in second gear, you've outgrown that. Now you're in, how can we figure this out? You become outcome-oriented. And then it's really important, especially in our corporations today, because so many leaders in major companies are stuck in second gear, and they're grinding along, they're burning out, they're burning out their teams, and they aren't gearing up into third. So even when someone in their organization brings them a great idea, They tell themselves they're too busy to listen. There isn't time for that now. But you know what? There isn't time to ignore the next great idea. Exactly. We can't lose that time. So that begs the question then, who is responsible for changing the gears? So let's say (laughs) Jane Doe listening has a leader who is stuck in first gear and she has so many great innovative ideas, but her boss is risk averse. How Can she be a catalyst to help move the gears? Maybe, and by all means, you can, you know, you can try that, but I have to warn you, there are some people who don't want to shift. Yeah. And I've had a lot of women come to me, and one I'm thinking of particularly who was a a top um, fundraiser for a major museum in the country. And she had a boss that complained about her her high heels made a loud sound in the hall and completely ignored the results that she was bringing. So then they they brought in somebody whose heels were quiet but didn't bring in (laughs) results. But, you know, the sad part is she had to move on because the leader would not gear up. Now, 
I had found that once you explain these gears to leaders, that very often they go, oh, I never knew there were gears. And I've had CEOs say to me, my goodness, this is the most revolutionary, clear-cut, plain and simple thing I've ever heard. I wish I'd heard it sooner. So by all means, spread the word that there are gears. And if you find you've got a boss who's stuck, you can, with respect, try to explain this, but... Be prepared for the fact that some people are just stuck. There's no grease on the gears, and they don't want to put any there. So, you know, to go back to the first part of your question is, who's responsible for shifting your gears? Bottom line, you are. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I have shared this with you before, but it's so important here. When I had my great idea of studying highly successful people years ago when I was at the National Institutes of Mental Health, and I stood up and I suggested that to the 200 people who were in my conference room, they laughed at me. Mm. And it's I want to scream loud and loud and loud that it's okay to be laughed at. In fact, it may be the best thing that ever happened to you. So let me just end the story on my side. What happened next was I stood there red-faced in front of the crowd, and I decided that they were wrong about my idea and that I knew that it was something great and I was going to pursue it anyway. And that's how I've gotten where I am from being laughed at. So it's another threshold that we have to go through. Keep in mind, anything that's truly new will not be agreed with because people agree with what's been what done. What they know, before. right. Exactly. Right. It's the safe place. It's the safe yep. place. So you're responsible. If you know you have a good idea, then put your feet under you and grab onto your bootstraps and make it happen. Love it. Love the energy in your voice. <laughs> so, Susan, let's let's back up a step then. How okay. do we know, how does the woman listening and the millions of women listening know if her goal or her dream are inside that proverbial box? Well, there's some key questions you can ask yourself. Um, you can you can ask whose dream was this mm. when it started? Who whose idea was it? Was it my parents? Was it my teachers? Was it one of my early bosses? Or was it mine? Yeah. And do I really agree with the idea or not? Because I find that we're so trapped by credit card payments and mortgage payments and standard of living payments and college tuitions that we kind of give up on ourselves, you know, and I see so many people with brilliant ideas. Or I, I talk to them, they call me, and I work with them, and I say, wait a minute, stand by your dream. Yeah. This is the challenge of women today, stand by your dream. And here's the good news. Women are creating two times as many startups as men are. It's extraordinary. It's such a ripe time for entre- women entrepreneurs. It is exciting. Oh, and I was on a a conversation recently with a wonderful woman who had a problem that all of us face at some time or another. Her name is Danielle Tate, and she was going from being Miss to being Mrs., so she was getting married, and it was a hassle. You know, she wanted to do her license and Social Security and passport and, you know, all of her creditors and all of that, and she decided, hey... If I could create an online system and I could get it to be done in 15 minutes instead of 13 hours and I charged a reasonable fee, I could have a great business. Yes, she can. And she did. And it's called MissNowMrs.com. And then she went back and she said, well, wait a minute. A lot of women end up getting divorces and they want their name back. And so she created another website called (laughs) GetYourNameBack.com. 
you know, I loved it because it's so classic. It's it like is. this was something she needed, and then she said, all women may need yeah. this at some time in their life, and she's been very successful at this, you know. So it doesn't have to be some alien, strange you know, mega complicated idea. It yeah. could be as simple as changing your name. The beauty of necessity is the mother of invention. Exactly. So, Susan, you shared a great article that you wrote called Glass Ceilings Aren't Holding Us Back. It's old habits and misused <laughs> gears. So, so break that down for us briefly. Glass ceiling or big errors? Well, I think the glass ceiling was probably a meaningful concept, you know, when it came out. Yeah. But the ceiling is so cracked by all these CEOs that I mentioned and yeah. all these powerful women who've broken through it. I mean, you know, think about a broken windshield. I mean, you, the first few punches are really dramatic, and after a while, there isn't anything left, left there. Yeah. So I think the glass ceiling is, for the most part, long and gone. But okay. I think that what caused the glass ceiling in the first place was a bunch of old habits. Yeah. And if we think back to the World War and the, the father's, father knows better, generation yep. and some of us grew up with that TV show but we all know what I'm talking about that you know the husband knew and he decided and he made the money and the wife stayed home you know literally making the bread while he was yep. the breadwinner but it isn't like that anymore in fact more than 50% of women work today right. and either in the corporate world or in home-based businesses and 40% of them are the primary breadwinners they are the primary source of income. So this is really important to know. And not only that, but women who make it into leadership, and I urge you on, because listen to this, they perform better than their male peers do. And we've got more women in the C-suites, that's uh, CEOs, COOs, CIOs, all those C positions, than any time in our nation's history. And that means that the doors are open, the glass is broken, it's gone. But what's holding us back is what we've been speaking to till now, and that's the idea that we can't do it, that we're not enough, that somebody knows and we don't, or that, you know, well, they must have a special skill or a lot of money and all of that. Well, the women I've talked to who've made it to the top didn't have that at all. What they had was a dream. It was a dream that they were passionate about. And so then they talked to people about it, and they, they shared, and they got co-dreamers. I love to, to think I about that, that term. Yeah. You know, people who will hold their dream with them. And then they found people who were willing to put their money behind their dream. And they just kept going. Did things happen that threw them off course? Absolutely. But so what? They picked themselves up. And, you know, I love to think about a, a child learning to walk. How many thousand times does a child fall? But the child doesn't say, I'll not get up the next time. The child just gets up. And I love that. That's so true. They keep going. And that's what we have to do. And and we have, if you think back to where women were when it was just nurses, housewives, and teachers. And, you know, I remember coming out of college, it was like, well, which of those are you going to be? Well, none of these. I'm going to be an expert on success and leadership worldwide. I mean, hard because to believe. I dreamt it and I'm making it happen. Yeah. <laughs> hard to believe. But that's it. We're making it happen. And we're reaching out to each other. I mean, I love the Internet. I love social media. Why? Because we can find each other yes. in a flash. Yeah. And women are so willing to help. I mean, if you want help, ask a busy woman. And she <laughs> will know? respond. She will she respond. She will respond. I mean, it's just amazing. So 
you know, women have got challenges today that are opening up huge opportunities. Because keep in mind, if we're not home and we still have that deep-seated genetic biological thing called I want to take good care of my home and my family and raise my kids to be happy and successful and I want to do all those parts of my life too, then we're going to have to reach out to each other to help. So, I mean, we, we saw early on women creating babysitting um, neighborhood babysitting facilities or daycare centers or, mm-hmm. you know, cooking for each other or doing all these things. Well, now women are acting as consultants to other women. And you, you can even find a board of directors for your company online. I mean, it's such a brilliant time. But what's lacking is what the glass ceiling put in our head. And that was that somehow we couldn't get through. It's a lie. Let me be the it first to lie. tell you. It's it a lie. We can. Women have broken it so many times, it's not even there anymore. Susan, so your it's, energy you know, is we got to dream again. We got to dream, my dear. Susan, such a joy to have you on the show. You are America's premier success and leadership coach and the creator of the technology of success. You've got some extraordinary books out there, and I also follow all of your articles online. Tell us how we can connect with you out in the wonderful world of social media. Oh, I'm very available. You I'm are. Just, I love it. <laughs> Susan Ford Collins at just about anything you can think of. And I'm also Susan Ford Collins, that, um, you know, is my website, so that's easy. And technologyofsuccess.com is my website. And I have numerous books out there. You so the, right now, The Joy of Success is the one that I'm really talking about all over the country. If you need a keynote speaker, I'm it. If you need a coach, I'm it. I'm available. You and I are. answer phone calls, Caroline. I know tell you, you do. I dear. answer phone I calls. Know. I answer emails. You do. And I'm so grateful for you. You are a champion for women and for men. But I'm particularly excited about your your ability to champion women with your energy, your positivity, and your brilliant work. Susan, thank you so much. It was wonderful. Thank you, my dear. And I want to thank all of you for listening to your working life. My goal is to help you design your career destiny so it doesn't happen by default. I really believe that career and life satisfaction is possible, and it's time to embrace what you love doing so you can do more of it. And I'm thrilled that my show is now available on iTunes, YouTube, Podbean, and Stitcher. Leave a comment, as I always appreciate hearing from my listeners. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Take good care.